you think they just live in paradise. But once you are there, once you're in showbiz, you realize how much work you have, how much uh, problems you have, something your life is not secure even because you can't predict what will happen. You know, it's not like working every day from eight to eight. You have to, for example, get the contract, you know, and it's not like easy always, it's competitive. So this is showbiz. to Belly Dance Live podcast. My name is Jana Komarnitska. I'm a full-time dancer based in Toronto, performing a variety of Middle Eastern and Central Asian dance styles, including belly dance. You can find me at janadance.com as well as on Insta or Facebook by Jana Dance or Jana Komarnitska. I'm happy you've decided to join us for this weekly dose of dance inspiration because here on this podcast we explore all nuances and insights into lifestyle of ballet dancers and we are having amazing star guests who share their stories, secrets and tips with you. Hello guys, you're listening to Ballet Dance Live podcast and this is episode number 7. I'm very pleased to introduce to you Stani and Katerina Siham who performs on a regular basis in Arab Emirates and other Middle Eastern countries as well as collaborates with one of the most prestigious entertainment agency in Dubai. Hello Katerina and welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Hi, Yana. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I always love your projects and uh, this is something very interesting. I think it's something really unusual and I really appreciate that I can be part of it and would like to share my experience with you guys. Thank you, Katerina. I think actually a lot of listeners were anticipating when there will be interview with Katerina, because then I just announced uh, a podcast and uh, asked people to guess, oh, who do you think is my first guest? A uh, half of people said, oh, Katerina. <laughs> yeah, because we had challenge just before and just one more interview with you as well. So just live stream. So of course, everybody was guessing. Yeah, but I also think uh, it's because people wanted to hear more from you and uh, to dig into your experience even a bit, bit um, deeper than we had before. So to start our conversation with, let's talk about your work in Arab Emirates and just let's go back to years ago, then was your uh, first job there. So tell us, please, when and how and what was your first contract to work in Arab country? Well, my first experience, it was in uh, Sultanate of Amman, and it was so long time ago, it was 2009, and uh, of course, for that time, I didn't know anything, and I can say I was not even a professional dancer, but I just wanted to have experience to work in Middle East, because everybody was telling that it's something special, and it's totally different from what we have back home. So I just went there. Of course, it was not easy to find a contract, first of all. But uh, as experience, it was really great. And uh, I just was so involved in this. Then I spent last almost two years already working there. And uh, I can say it's really cool. You remember we started as idea of my video blogs also, because I really share my tips for the girls for the dancers who would like to work in Middle East, because uh, it's not that easy if you don't have 
uh, experience and you don't know anything about it to start with. So first of all, what was my mistakes uh, when I started, I, I didn't know about how would my portfolio should look like because I used to be really rejected a lot from the agencies because they used to tell me that my portfolio is not good enough. And those days I I couldn't understand what do they mean because I thought my photos and videos were perfect for, for that time because I just didn't know how it should look like. So then I started to look for the some other dancers who work in the Middle East, how they look like and uh, how it should be because then when I was going to the photo studio working with my photographer, I was trying to explain what I really need because it's not like just photo, regular photo. Yeah, you need to actually um, sell yourself. You have to be attractive, first of all, for your agency, uh, for your manager, because the manager, the hotel, is uh, someone who hires you. They should be attracted by you before audience will see you. So, because usually uh, agency usually says three minimum up up to five plus minus dancers for the uh, F&B manager to choose, or the manager of the hotel, or whatever, depends on the structure. And then they will they will choose, and of course, they will choose the someone who is the most attractive, and lots of time they don't really even check your dance videos. Mm-hmm. This is something strange, which I didn't know. I thought, if I am a professional dancer and uh, I am a winner of the contest, I will be automatically superstar in the Middle East. But it doesn't work this way there. They don't need you to know everything about dance to be a really, really good dancers. I know that in the Middle East, uh, sometimes there are dancers who are not even a dancer, actually. They can be even just uh, models. Hmm. So they just have plus minus good costumes. They're very good looking. They're attractive and they're sex appeal. And they're quite successful even though they're not professional at all, they're not even amateur. So this is, uh, was something strange which I didn't know and it was very, um, well, it, I can say it removed my crown from my head, you know, <laughs> what I can say. So I just realized that I should work on my portfolio because first of all, they will check my photos and then maybe, maybe they will check my videos, not even always, and then also videos should be perfect. And of course, it should be super sexy at the photos, you know, like not um, forget about folklore costumes there, which is also was very, I was upset by this because I thought, oh, I I love the culture. I like to know about uh, folklore dance. But then I realized um, that Middle East audience, the Arab people, they are looking at the, it's not always art. Of course, they like to see professional, but they also look at the attractive uh, face and attractive body. I see. So that uh, was a bit upset, but also there's a big percentage of audience who loves um, a good art. They like professional, they can see if you're professional or not, and they would like to enjoy your show. And of course you should make a good show, like it should be not something boring stuff, you know? Yeah, that's true. Well, I definitely do remember your uh, vlogs about uh, life of ballet dancing in Arab countries. And uh, I'm pretty sure you have uh, been receiving a lot of messages even before you start blogs, uh, those vlogs. But probably even more after you publish them, 
from many people, from many dancers who were asking you advice or how to get contract or how to start working in the Middle East. And uh, you just said so many really interesting insights and tips, uh, but I would love to really break down some of them. For instance, you mentioned portfolio. So as I understood, the main thing in portfolio are photos. What other elements should dancer prepare for their portfolio if they want to get a contract to work in Arab countries, if at all they need anything else for their portfolio? What What do you mean by dancer's portfolio if you are talking about that kind of uh, work? Number one, it's the photos, as I would say. Okay, about the mistakes which dancers do, which I've done a lot, which I studied. So this is my experience. Uh, first of all, it should be really professional photo. What I mean, of course, it should be uh, edited. It should be very good light. And um, forget about folklore costumes. Your your belly, your your bra, everything should be shown. Yeah, and you should remember to, to make not just a nice pose, but really attractive pose, as I can say, uh, even sexual pose, because this is uh, what they expect to see. And uh, lots of dancers, uh, for example, if we talk about the costumes, which I was mentioning, lots of dancers forget about the push-ups, okay, because the size, it's important. It's as we make a joke, uh, the bigger size you have, the more professional you are. So this is, this is weird, but this is true. This is, I was really upset about that when I started because um, like I thought, come on, they don't, you should look about how professional I am, not the size of my boobs, but actually they do look on your boobs, number one. And then later on, when you are already at the contract, when you start to dance, then they start to dance how you dance. But before, they want to see the poster in the hotel, and you should have a big boobs. It's what the dancers need to know if they want to work. And lots of dancers, they do operations. Oh, I see. And um, what, what my agent said when he saw me, he said, you are very tall. This is very good. I like the tall dancers. Like, it's, it's, it's very important, which is strange. I didn't, thought, I didn't think about it. I thought it's like, okay, average... Uh, Height, it's okay, but actually in Middle East they don't like short dancers. 165 centimeters plus, 170 is already good. And even I, I know that some models which they had, they were really high and uh, they were really successful because they like high dancers. I know that lots of uh, short girls are really suffer. They dance on so high heels like minimum 10 centimeters high you know usually it's even higher i don't know how they manage but they have to because otherwise you know it's very competitive mm. and uh, so also when i started i was dancing without shoes even though i'm tall but you know the without shoes and uh, you know they look at you oh, poor girl she doesn't even have a shoes you know <laughs> <laughs> so this is important because remember that in middle east yeah, we're talking about Arab Emirates in Bahrain. Um, if we talk about Arabic restaurants with a live band, 90% will be Lebanese restaurants. Yeah, we have some Halishi restaurants with live band, but they don't really require a belly dancer. They have their, they have usually singers and maybe some ladies just sitting there in like uh, on consummation, like Moroccan girls or something like that. Mm-hmm. But if we talk about professional dancer with a live band, it will be a Lebanese uh, restaurant. And they expect 
it's a Lebanese uh, style, Lebanese uh, tradition. They always wear high heels. Mm -hmm. So to get good contracts, I realized that I should wear high heels and I should take a portfolio to make photos with uh, open legs, you know, big boobs, uh, high heels, you know, full makeup, nice hair, long hair, of course, it should, so these kind of things. And not, uh, I, I, w I were not realizing before that it's important. I thought like it, it was okay. But later on, I was looking around and I realized that how I understood how I should look like. That's why I tell other dancers when they start, I said, don't bring on your first photo shoot hundreds costumes bring three but the best one or even two but there should be wow and make lots of photos but send to your agency or to the hotel i don't know five should be some full size full body photos and uh, two new one two portrait and that's it because lots of girls they send you 10 20 photos you know in some dark corner uh you know, without makeup, you know, it looks so amateur, you mm -hmm. know, and uh, I always tell them, forget about the good contrast. With this kind of portfolio, with this kind of photos, you'll never get it. It's very important to have professional costumes, professional um, photos. Ah, by the way, how many costumes we need? Usually, it's about uh, minimum, well, let's say 15, it's minimum, minimum. Usually, it's 20, 30. And lots of dancers, they don't have 30 posh costumes. They don't have, let's say, 10, like 30% they're posh, let's say, for weekend, for Thursday, Friday costumes, we call it. And other costumes, they're like so-so. So, let's, of course, it's better if you have all posh costumes, but we all realize that, you know, to one posh costume costs you, you know, about 1,000, one let's say, and uh, on the contract, they die very, very fast. So we also try not to have so so much stuff. I see. Well, it's very interesting, actually. It yeah. kind of sounds a lot that they really pay a lot of attention to dancer appearance rather than dance skills. Is that uh, correct? At least during uh, the process of selecting dancer for the contract. Yeah, yeah, it's true. They really care about dance appeal rather than dancing. As I told you, you can be uh, just a model very good looking but maybe you are not able to dance no i it's you know very rude to say like this way but it's 100 uh, percent they look at how you look like mm, I see. does it create any stereotypes or let's say extra expectations for dancers did you ever had any security concerns that while working there if there is so much attention to how the dancer looks and as i understood they expect the dancer to look sexy and posh but are there any stereotypes that you feel while already being there working and maybe communicating with audience or staff that uh, uh, it not only um, influenced the expectations to appearance but maybe expectations to some behaviors <laughs> Well, I thought when I go to Middle East, you know, it's something wild there. You know, the people are just jumping on you. You can't walk on the streets or something if you're a white woman or something like that, you know. But um, once I uh, started to perform there, I realized uh, that I felt uh, safer in uh, Arab Emirates or Bahrain or Oman that I feel back home in Ukraine or in Italy now. Oh, okay. Like, 
I remember I was going to after party place in Abu Dhabi, you know, some disco, I don't remember exactly, but it was about five in the morning and I went out, I was waiting for the for the taxi because there was a queue of taxi and I was wearing some evening gown, mm-hmm. so it was a nice dress. And I can say none of the cars will, will stop and uh, invite you to the car or something like that, which can happen somewhere back home. Mm-hmm. Because there, in Abu Dhabi especially, for example, you can just call triple uh, nine, I guess, uh, and police will arrive immediately. Like, they really protect the people, the foreigners, of course. And uh, I can say that um, it's very strict there. So um, I feel very safe there. I, I can, for example, I can walk with the open bag in the metro. Not that open, but I mean, like in in the mall, for example. Mm-hmm. Metro maybe, no, but in the mall I cannot zipper my bag, which I definitely cannot do somewhere in Europe. Because I know that lots of... Uh, people from Emirates and from Qatar or Kuwait, they go to Europe and they, they've been um, robbed so many times because they just so much uh, feel so much secure and relaxed that uh, uh-huh. they, they end up with empty, they steal even their bags. It's all, all time happens to them. Uh, I see. And uh, what about the dance uh, show itself, the dance life? Did you ever had any crazy uh, situations? Maybe someone came before show or after show? Or does the hotel or restaurant or the host who um, who does this show, do they really provide the security for the dancer? Uh, they, I can say they try uh, some places like in Bahrain. They have some contracts like that. Like they tell that you can't go out without security, which I always try to prevent uh, dancers to go on this kind of contracts if they have this condition, because it's, I can say that it's a very safe country. And if they say that you can't go out without security, this only means that they want to control you. Like they don't trust the dancer, they're afraid that she might do some affair, I don't know what. So they would like to control you, which is uh, against the human rights, I can say. So I said, girls, they just please don't uh, don't accept these conditions, which is it's not fair. And by law, they cannot do it. They cannot control you. They cannot make you stay in your hotel room or something. Mm-hmm. But if they sign this in the contract, if they write it down and you sign it, you cannot do anything because it's just in your contract. Mm-hmm. But by the law. Uh, they cannot do it. So I always uh, advise the dancers if they see this, um, uh, see this uh, in uh, in the contract that you can only go listen there and there only with security or certain hours. I always said, say them that please write to your employer to remove this uh, sentence. Mm-hmm. Let's go back and actually talk a little bit about the life of a ballet dancer in Arab countries and how the contracts usually look like. What's the typical duration and what's the number of shows that you need to perform weekly or, I don't know, daily maybe? <laughs> um, and let's let's go a little bit back to the general outlines of the contract life of dancer. <laughs> Yeah, I remember we discussed it a lot with you already, the difference about different countries, about attitude. For me, it was something crazy to have, for example, dance show with live band for 45 minutes. Once I had it first time, 
It was in Abu Dhabi, I think, that time, yeah. And um, for me, it was, I thought, how I can survive? And seriously, when you just started, by the end of uh, your show, you just dead, you know? <laughs> you are, you're totally sweat, your hair is wet, you know, you look horrible, actually. <laughs> because it's not easy. But then you get used to, you know, you start to cheat a little bit, say truth. Like, for example, because if you perform only at the contest or a gala show, you go, for example, you have three, five minutes show and you're trying to show all your technique. Mm -hmm. And of course, in if you start to dance like this, uh, when you go to contract, you die very quick, you know, first song and this halas. But then I realized that actually at the contract, I should not um, show just technique. I should maybe make some pause and also I should communicate with audience, even though I'm not allowed to go to the audience. But uh, still, I, I want them to sing with me, to I can stop sometimes, you know, to show them like by my hand something, you know, the storytelling, the song or something like that. Then I start to slow down, let's say, and then it starts to be much easier. Mm-hmm. Also, between the songs, usually each song is, uh, if we talk about classic songs, will be 15-20 minutes, usually 15. If we take a couple of the songs, it's already half of the show, yeah? So then, usually the show starts always with a uh, mise-en-scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the time it's uh, certain mise-en-scene, or they can just take a classic song, tarap song, and make it a um, mix of them, like take two, three songs and just put it for you to enter the stage. Mm-hmm. At the stage, uh, most of the time we then start with a wail or uh, we dance with the wings, which I was surprised because at the contest, con- uh, contest the only accessory you can use, it was um, veil or sagats mm-hmm. with a measured set. But there I saw the girls dance with the easiest wings, with the fun veils, with uh, boy, with so much stuff mm. and they can mix it because there you should do the show it's not you're not you don't have frames so for our audience they really love the show so it's the, if you bring the led wings or something they would really love it oh okay. especially for thursday why <laughs> why thursday <laughs> Thursday because it's weekend and it's full ah. usually there. Because for example, if it's Sunday, Monday, you can usually we dance just with a whale normally. But if it's um, Thursday, of course you bring your best costume, as I said, best uh, props, and uh, you dance uh, really wow. Because oh, also it depends. For example, on Sunday, Monday you can have maybe one, two, three tables. You know, it depends. So their week schedule is a Thursday day off. That's that's how it works there. Thursday Friday. Oh, oh um, all days. I can say when I started up. I think they changed it about four years ago or something. But I I can't. I'm I don't know exactly. But in Middle East, it was uh, weekend was uh, Thursday Friday. Mm. So they it was very weird because to make make a business with uh, America or with Europe. They cannot fix the dates because it was strange. <laughs> they were different, you know. The, the stock exchange actually was working on, on only three days a week <laughs> because in America they have a day off uh, Saturday, Sunday, and in the Middle East it was Thursday, Friday, so only have three days left. Right. So, so it's, and then they decided to little bit to push it. So now they actually have uh, Friday and Saturday. Some 
private companies, they have only one day, for example, Friday. Friday, it's, uh, it's a must because Friday for them, it's a family day. Because mm. they like spend it with the family and uh, not going out and uh, have a, usually it's family brunch. They gather like 30, 40 people, you know, the branches usually something like that. Oh, I see. I had no idea about that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know either when I, when I came there. So for me, it was very strange. And, you know, when you don't have days off, usually you don't if you work in Emirates. That's how I calculate the weeks when it's Thursday, because otherwise you don't know which day is that because you work in all the days. But today is Thursday or Mm. They call it Halavil Hamis. Hamis is Thursday, so they have lots of songs about Hamis, <laughs> famous and uh, something because it's crazy time. So everybody's going out on Thursday because tomorrow everybody can sleep. And uh, usually, so all nightclubs, uh, restaurants are full on Thursday. And of course, uh, the, um, I can say it's everybody loves this day because for dancers, for musicians, it's also nice because. So full power and audience is so cool and joyful. I see. And of course, we get more tips. <laughs> oh, okay. That was my uh, one of the questions that I wanted to ask you. Uh, are the tips uh, acceptable during dance show? Because my understanding, and I'm I'm uh, uh, pretty sure that uh, many dancers would have the same uh, same sort of opinion that tips are probably one of those tricky moments that the most uh, uh, has uh, connotations with all those stereotypes and uh, uh, bad things that we uh, try to take away from the image of dancer. And I know it totally depends from country to country. So in some countries, it's totally okay to accept tips. In some countries, it's absolutely not allowed. So I was curious uh, to see how in your experience working in Arab Emirates, how, how is that goes? <laughs> Well, I can say, also going back to the contracts, sometimes they write to you, for example, that there are tips. If tips are very, very high, and it's usually it's uh, some countries like Tunis and Iraq, you know, they, they even the agency would like to have percentage because it's very good tips, I can say. <laughs> but um, uh, some contracts, for example, the salary might be not high, they, but they say, oh, but there are some good tips. When some dancers, they ask me about it, about advice, about this kind of contracts, I always tell them, you know, never look at the tips. Because tips, today you can have tips, tomorrow maybe no. You know, because the situation changes all the time. Even, for example, if you talk about Tunis, yeah. sometimes they have problems in Libya. Because Tunis get money only from Libya. Because Libya, it's a dry country, they don't have alcohol. That's why they all go drink to the Tunis. And uh, one they have problem in Libya, Tunis doesn't receive uh, customers. That's why the girls, they don't even work sometimes. Or they work, but only for locals, which they don't tip. That's why, for example, you don't get tips. So if you expect it, you might not get it. For example, if we talk about Emirates, they, I cannot say they tip a lot there, the Lemay's restaurants. But uh, I, I had experience working one place, which I was shocked that they tip so much that I get double salary. So I didn't even use my salary. I get, so, but there are just a few places like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the thing is in Emirates, for example, you are not allowed to communicate with audience. They put a fence sometimes even. Mm -hmm. So for example, you cannot walk around. So you always have to stay on the stage and you cannot even take money from the audience. So they, they have to give it to musician 
or there are some places when they throw money on you, like they do it in Egypt. They just mm-hmm. buy a huge bunch of dollars, you know, and they throw on you, for example, you know, they want this stuff. <laughs> it's the same like in Egypt they do. But again, it's few places like that. Usually they open champagne with a firework. You know, the Lebanese really start love this champagne with fireworks. It looks very posh and, you know. And again, it's so usually in weekends. And for example, the only place I remember it was allowed to take tip and walk around the audience, it was Bahrain. And uh, for example, I can say, uh, I, I don't like, for example, when the people, they put tips in your costume. I, I never accept it. If there are some customers who show the money, for example, but they would like to put it in the costume, I say, no. Mm-hmm. And if they refuse to give me money, it's fine, I just walk through. Because I really believe if the person would like to give you money, they will give you. If they don't want, and they only want to put it in your costume, that, you know, they will not give you. But it's fine, you know, I uh, I believe that we should respect ourselves, you know, it's... Uh, if it's if sometimes if it's a woman, mm-hmm. I can do that, you know, because it's sometimes it's just a fun, you know, it's, it's okay. But with a man, no, I cannot accept it. Because I always take it in hand, or I always show, sometimes if I have a, a tabal, the tabla player with me, who brings this huge drum for the dabke, uh, I always show to him on his uh, drum to put money there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know those uh, uh, cultures with tips, they are so different from one country to another country. Like, I was told uh, by someone... Uh, that, for instance, in Greece, it's actually a sign of good luck if the person puts the money in the belt of dance. I don't know how true or not it is. Maybe someone just wanted to <laughs> to make someone <laughs> to, to make yeah. dancers accept those things. But they just invent this story. <laughs> well, I actually remember I heard it from very respectable uh, dancers, so I was like. Oh, I- I don't really question her uh, honesty, but uh, who knows those kind of stories. And uh, just reminded me another funny story uh, about those money showers that mm-hmm. usually in uh, uh, Middle Eastern countries, not usually, sometimes they do uh, they throw the money on top of dancer, which is uh, uh, called money shower. But then I remember once in Bulgaria, I went to a Arabic, I guess it was more like nightclub mm-hmm. slash restaurant uh, place. And then I ended there, I was like, why there are so many dirty napkins on the floor? Like the whole floor is in those strange napkins that doesn't make any sense and people dance on top of that. <laughs> and then I realized, because I saw what was happening, then they adapted in Bulgaria this Arab tradition of doing a shower, but they didn't have money to, to throw, so they were using napkins <laughs> for that. I just uh, You telling these uh, stories about tips reminded me that funny, funny situation, funny story. <laughs> But they can use uh, fake money, you know, this. they have a lot. Uh, the funniest, I think, uh, I saw once on Indian wedding, mm-hmm. they throw money, then they have kids who go right away, collect this money from the floor, and then they give it back to adults to throw them again. <laughs> so it's not even about uh, um, giving tips to dance, it's more the tradition, um, yeah, celebration, sense, yeah. tradition, yeah, because the, the more money thrown is like for the better luck for, like, if it's the wedding, the better luck for a couple, I guess, or something like that, or for their families, but it's just funny to see all the different uh, traditions and approaches to tips in different countries <laughs> um, so as I understood from what you said you have basically shows uh, every day during your contract yeah it uh, depends because some places um, uh, they might have one day off 
Mm-hmm. But for example, Dubai, they most of the place they have no days off, and in Abu Dhabi, I remember some places they have the day off, in Bahrain also. So I can say, you know, they they say it's actually you work in one hour a day, but I must say at the end of at the end of the season, just when I go back back home to Ramadan. I feel like I'm tired, you know, because if you work without days off, you know, you still uh, feel like you need to rest. Even though, you know, our work is working hours are so short, but still we need to practice, to prepare. You know, the people, they don't really understand this. The, I mean, the staff or something, they always envy you, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, you work in only one hour a day, you know, and you get much more salaries I do. Yeah, it's true because that's why I always <laughs> try and avoid to be very close to the staff. You know, like I prefer to be friendly, but not make real friends because still there is some, I can say, maybe envious lots of times because they, they really think that you are not working at all and you just make so much money. You know, for example, I have some housekeepers who come to clean my room and they come and you know the people they especially they're from Africa for example and they had so many situations when they start to ask me how much I get. And they say, you know, I'm not answering this kind of questions. They say, no, but how much you have what is your salary? How much? And he was like really annoying, you know? And it happened to so many dancers and they always tell, you know, like it's very weird here and they really and then they start to complaining even, you know, just in front of you, like, oh, you, you know, you don't work even, you know, and you know how much I work to get this money and you, you don't work, you know, I, I say, yeah, but man, your costumes, which your uh, uniform is given to you by, by the hotel, you know, and each of my costumes, you know, how much it cost me and how much I practice to get this, but I, I used to argue with the staff, you know, like they say, no, but you know, this, and then I realized they would never understand it, you know, they, it's, it's like, like you look at the celebrities, you know, the singers and everything, you think they just live in paradise, but once you are there, once you're in showbiz, you realize how much work you have, how much uh, problems you have, something, your life is not secure even, because you can't predict what will happen, you know, it's not like working every day from 8 to 8, you know, you have to, for example, get the contract, you know, and it's not like easy always, it's competitive, you know, so this is showbiz. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's the struggle of all dancers that our audience or people who surround, they don't uh, really realize how much work is put in every show and they think that, oh, this is just, in this case, 45 or one hour show or uh, sometimes in other countries that are not Arab, like then we do just like 20 minute show, like people think that's that's it. They're paying for 20 minutes. They don't count all those yeah. hours of preparing for specific for the show, not to mention everyday training and, and all those years of uh, uh, workshops and classes that uh, brought us to the level that we actually able to do all those shows, as well as investment in costumes, makeup stuff, yeah. which is also not cheap at all. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So Always discussing this with other dancers. Everybody complaining about them, how the customers think that even agencies, you know, they always give you recommendation. Like, talking about the appearance, but they say that you, you were asking me the, the funniest thing that they not only check your portfolio, okay, then once you're there and you start to perform, they start to check the, your nail polish, 
mm. your uh, hair, your makeup, you know, oh, today you make um, good nail polish, oh, today you have nice perfume, oh, this costume I don't like, and you know, musicians, they, or managers, they always love to give you advices about your costume, mm. And the thing is, you can never satisfy them because today they tell you one thing, tomorrow another, and we always make fun of it. Like, for example, they say, oh, you're too white. Then you go to the beach, you try to get really dark. And then I remember we were going out with uh, other dancers and uh, we called one of the, the girls and they say, let's go with us. She said, no, but my manager told me that I'm too black now, I should stop to go to the beach. <laughs> so you you can never uh, satisfy them, you know, they always will find something that you're like, for me that, for example, they always say that I should put on weight, that, oh, you're too skinny. But for example, once I have a little belly or something, they say, oh, you put on weight, you should lose weight, you know. <laughs> mm. After that, I realized, you know, I should keep my line, let's say, that I managed to make, uh, to find the top contracts and everything, the way I look without operations, you know. So I realize it's possible. <laughs> I see. Are they that picky on uh, the dance shows uh, themselves as much as on the dancer appearance? Do they have any requests for how the dance show should look like or do you have really, I mean you kind of mentioned that it starts as imagine say and that I was really surprised to hear that props are welcome in the uh, yeah. show because impression like first impression we think oh it should be only traditional I think especially since you mentioned one song can last 15 minutes there so that sounds very traditional yeah. but uh, are there any expectations or requests for a variety show because as I understood it sort of happens in the same place all this or is it all these different events that you can repeat the program maybe <laughs> no the, pro the thing you they try to change the program and the, the, the musicians also because even though I perform for example I have contract for one two three months and they can extend it and for example I perform in the same place all the time the audience uh, 30% will be much the same because, of course, people, they are not going there every day, but plus minus, they will go there. And then on weekends, of course, we have some extra people who are coming from Saudi Arabia or, you know, the families. Because there are some family restaurants, some um, more of my... It's not my clubs, but uh, there are also restaurants, but there are some more family-orientated Lebanese restaurants. Some of them are less family-orientated, I can say. It's not strict, but... You know, you can see that among the audience. But anyhow, the, the program, for example, what I remember about props, one more thing. I was uh, usually in the program, we have the dance with the Asaya. So 80% um, will be Dabke, of course. Sometimes they put Saidi. But most of the time, of course, it will be Dabke because it's a Lebanese restaurant. And uh, I used to dance the Dabke with uh, one cane. Mm -hmm. But... Uh, once one of the customers, uh, manager told me, oh, we have one customer who loves when he dance. He always, every day he was there and he was a businessman. And once after show, he told me, you know, you're a good dancer, but before we had a dancer who were dancing with double cane on the dub cam and you dance with only one, you should dance with double cane. I said, okay, I was so, and he was telling, you know, 
I said, okay, I will do that. And after that, I started to dance Dabke with double cane. So it's actually, you know, it's not your choice. It's actually a requirement from the audience, from the manager. Also, manager can tell you, for example, if you have two entrance, two shows, two sets, uh, he might tell you, for example, second show to start, uh, for example, second show, usually if you have two, two sets, second show, they usually start with Dabke. And then during the show, second show, managers usually ask you to do some candle tray dance or sword dance, you know, something different. Because it's two shows, so you have to make lots of props. So this is very popular there, for example. That's why the dancers always suffer with uh, extra luggage, you know, because you have not only have 30 costumes, but you have to bring a sword. Uh, mm-hmm. Shamadan, uh, tray, lots of lots of props, you know, it's always problem. That's crazy. <laughs> Do you have any tricks uh, how you travel with all that stuff? <laughs> the tricks I was telling about my video blog also some suggestions to, to the girls about the costume, because you have to have lots of costume. And for example, I would recommend to have a costume with the belts rather than without belts. So then, for example, you have you have to have one belt with, um, which should be made with the stones, AB crystals. This kind of set, bedla, yeah, the bra and belt, you can uh, always mix with three, four, five skirts. That's why, for example, instead of one costume, you have uh, four or five, which you can have less uh, stuff with you. And uh, that's why I try to always combine the skirts. I have to each set of uh, bra and belt, I have uh, two, three skirts. So, and also I love to have short skirts because for example, the mm-hmm. huge sco- skirts, they, of course, they will be heavy, take lots of space and the short skirts, uh, of course, it's much better. <laughs> That's why we have that. Yeah, the contrast will have the, the, the short skirts. And also I remember one dancer were working after me at one place. And uh, the manager, he got used to my short skirts, you know, like it's open legs, you know, it's all sexy. And she came, she was uh, using all the long uh, skirts, not very open. And he started to complain. Like he said, you know, you have to choose your costume very covered. You should uh, make it open. So she started to write me like, what, what's, what's the problem with my costume? Then I explained to her that, yeah, for me, I dance with a... Short skirts, not of because of the manager requirement, but because of the weight of my luggage. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then, then they get used to, you know, and uh, they expect other dancers to use uh, short skirts as well. I see. What do you think is your most favorite part of working as a contact dancer in uh, Middle Eastern countries? The most, for me, once I'm started to to perform there of course it was huge experience unusual to work with a live band because back home to perform with a live band if you go to the contest you have to pay mm. and you have only three to five minutes you know it's always limit but there you have plenty of time you have 45 minutes you just and you work with the band you get used to the band for example usually the first couple of days it's first show for example it's not always easy even though i'm experienced and i can start to work even without rehearsal 
but still first day you know it's I get used to how they play because each uh, band they play the classic song they play different so that's why I have to know how they will do that but then once I get used to this band I so much enjoy because I can relax I have fun you know it's so much inspiration and fun to work with live band and for me it was something so cool that once I'm, I was back to the context for the contest for the judgment and I saw how the girls suffer to have have a cue for rehearsal with the band then to have one show uh, with the band for three minutes you know all this um, time limits you know I felt so much um, so many frames in this you know and while I have so much opportunity to work without limits and I'm not only do that for free I'm also paid for that you know <laughs> so so this is something really cool and uh, even now you know like for me it's um, something that I get inspired from and another thing of course for me it was huge experience to live in Middle East because even though you go forget about going as a tourist you will not understand it you know you see only something that they want to show you and uh, but even if you go for the research travel like we love to go to Egypt or something with the groups you know for a long term we live there go to some Bedouin villages or something still you explore and stay in some really non-touristic places mm-hmm. but still it's not enough time you know still it's like two weeks even one month but while I was there we stayed for one year you know getting local people going to the uh, ladies part of the house you know learning Haliji from there you know when they gathered all the neighbors to see, oh, the white woman will come tonight. Oh, let's make a party. You know, there was <laughs> gathering. I remember in Oman, it was really crazy because this, they, once I entered the house, there were not only all the relatives, the females, but also the neighbors. Everybody went to see me because for them it was something uh, unusual, you know, that place. And it's something really cool, which you will not uh, get being like, just a passing by, you know, that's to go deeply in the culture, which is very interesting for me to go to the local celebrations, to go into the families, to know about the tradition, which I can share with my students now when I go to the workshops so that I can tell not only something I saw in the restaurants or on the stage, but something that I saw backstage. This is something, some experience which is uh, unique only when you live there you can get this experience that's why lots of girls for example they they go to work in middle east despite all the problems you have you know you will never get this this experience yeah and that's something i want to bring uh, attention of audience that uh, katerina very often does a lot of uh, uh, interesting uh, stuff and projects and materials or via her social media so for those who uh, seeking more information about working in the Middle East and especially about folkloric styles such as Khaliji uh, and other styles, definitely check both her blog, uh, YouTube blog, I'll put a, notes, a link in the show notes for sure, as well as uh, her Instagram. I, I'm not sure how active you're on Facebook, but definitely on Instagram, I constantly see your live streams, your 
post that you give so much disinformation about popular music, the mistakes and uh, rules of uh, certain dance styles, and so many like mini seminars and lectures on your Instagram. So that's great resource for many many dancers. I'm pretty sure a lot of people really appreciate it. <laughs> Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, it will be really great. And uh, just on the note of all these uh, online projects, uh, I have to mention <laughs> that just uh, recently, uh, literally, we had a pleasure to collaborate with Katerina on Measure Say by Four Challenge, Instagram challenge. Yeah. That I sort of briefly, yes, I sort of briefly mentioned <laughs> about it during one of the previous podcast episodes with Shahrazad, who also was a part of it. But in fact, actually, Katerina was the initiator <laughs> and the engine of the whole project. Uh, so um, just because you were really the initiator of that project, I would really love to hear your impressions on how uh, it went and uh, what do you think about all this online uh, and the social media space for dancers, collaborations, uh, integrations and uh, mutual study exchange? <laughs> well, for me, it was really uh, unusual experience. And uh, I believe it, uh, the result was really great because all the, our teachers did a really good job and the way to cooperate with you was so easy and so productive. And we have, uh, as I told in my Instagram and social media, we had more than 100 participants. Unfortunately, not all of them reached the end, the final, because I know it's a challenge. It's not so easy. So lots of them they were not able to fulfill their own choreography, but we have students who end up uh, with filming the full choreography actually at some parties, gigs, and it was so nice. Until now I received the feedbacks from them and being so thankful. And uh, from so many, con from continents even, we got so many students, uh, beginners, intermediate professionals, even uh, instructors that uh, was really great to not only have uh, to study something but also to receive support as we call as Yana told us uh, belly dance uh, tribe <laughs> because uh, lots of us we were given the support because lots of dancers they were not only challenged to learn it because of their level for example but challenged to put it uh, online in uh, social media, in Instagram, because, for example, they, they were afraid of uh, judgment. And it's important that people manage to put it, to show them. And uh, lots of other dancers from our team, they support each other. And uh, this is really gives lots of power and inspiration, I can believe. And it's really cool. I'm happy about that. Yeah, I was really, really impressed by uh, that project too and uh, how much feedback and answers we received from participants all over the world. So thank you, Katerina, very much for initiating that idea and putting it into the world. And I think it was awesome beginning of the year of 2018 for not only participants, but also for uh, teachers uh, as well who put their parts of choreography in um, in the routine. <laughs> yeah, of course, that was so great to participate with you. You gave me so many good ideas and I really appreciate it. Thank you, Yana, so much. It's always better, as uh, as we say, uh, to have two, two hats, uh, four hats instead of one. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> to share experience, to have some ideas. It was really great. 
to work with you and see we still continue to cooperate which is really cool I, I really love to, to start it and to continue to cooperate with you of course in your project as well yeah my pleasure too um katerina before i ask a few final questions is there anything else that uh you feel is important to mention or talk about regarding contract life uh, or contracts in uh, Arab Emirates that we did not cover at all? Or maybe you have some advice for young or beginning dancers who are aiming to find those contracts and get good, get those jobs uh, too in their future, in their dance journey? <laughs> well, we were talking so much, but the only thing I wanted to mention at the end that um, don't listen to anyone, even to me or something, you know, maybe some... Some restrictions, I can say, because, for example, when I started to search for a good contrast uh, in the beginning, they told me that the agency I work with now, they don't dance with the dan- they don't cooperate with dancers from Eastern Europe. So they, they told me don't even think to cooperate with them because that's, then, that uh, agency is number one and they don't work with these countries. Mm. But as you can see, I work with them. So don't listen to anyone and believe in yourself and uh, try to find the people who support you and go ahead. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Everything is possible if you believe in yourself first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, believe, believe it. Yeah, because uh, it's all in our brain, you know, all the restrictions, all the blocks, it's in our brain. Once I can tell you, the girls, uh, the, the dancers who didn't know some of them, that something is not impossible, they always done it. So when you don't know that it's not possible, you can do it. Once someone, once your brain knows it's not possible, then you know it's not possible, you cannot do it. So just remove this block in your head that it's not possible. I know it's easy to say maybe, but um, for me to reach the goals which I, I, I have and I continue to reach, it's um, happened because uh, I had lots of support and I, surround, uh, I am surrounded by people I actually brought those people in my life who support me. This is very important. So I wish everyone to achieve uh, all the goals in your life. And to you, Jana, make uh, big goals. Not big as you think now, right now, but even bigger. Because then you will uh, push yourself more to achieve it. Yeah, right. We all create our own limitations by ourselves. Yeah. Before I ask uh, the final signature question of this podcast, uh, tell us, please, where can people uh, find you, where you're the most uh, active, and um, if there are any upcoming projects that we need to stay tuned for that you uh, don't mind sharing with us today? (laughs) Well, so far, I'm the most active on the Instagram right now, and, of course, my YouTube uh, video blog, which I try to do, um, thinking to do also in English because uh, most of the time I do it for Russian-speaking audience, but also in, in English I think to do it. Stay tuned, uh, listen to some interesting tips about the contract lives and uh, about folkloric, about the contest that I'm trying to upload. Nice, nice. The all links will be in the show notes for this episode, so uh, guys, go go and check them out for sure. So here is our signature question that I always finish every podcast with it. And I love hearing all different answers from different dancers. And this is more philosophical question. So I oh always God, ask scared. it. <laughs> no, I, I'm pretty sure uh, you may take a second to think, but I'm pretty sure it will be easy answer for you. 
the question is, what makes you fall in love with ballet dance again and again so that you keep doing it for so many years? Mm. After a tell, it's something that I started to be as a hobby, but later on I end up to have it as my profession. You know, I think it's the, the biggest blessing in your life to find uh, something that you love to do and will be able to earn money with it. I think uh, that's why I'm still there, because I can do it for a living. And I think even I, I will not be able to do that, uh, I would still continue to dance, because I think it's what brings your happiness in your life, something uh, to, to dance, to, to be active, to have some hobby. Because lots of people, for example, I keep asking what you love to do, if you, what you would like to do if you will not get the money for, for that. Lots of people, they don't have answer. They just don't know what they would love to do in their free time. For me, I know what I like to do, you know. I not only love to dance, I like to research, you know, the culture, to, to, to do some interesting projects like Yuyana, for example. This is also my passion, you know, this is something which, is, which I like about you, maybe that's why, you know, which is interesting. <laughs> And maybe, uh, I cannot say it's forever, you know, I, I cannot. Maybe this kind of activity will bring me to something completely different. I don't know what will be tomorrow, you know. So, who knows? I try to, to learn so many things with the dance, you know. With, actually, we are dancers, we, we can do the tailoring job, you know, the, the, all this uh, Photoshop, you know. And uh, so, so many activities we have to do. Uh, being in this field, so I think that it's very big experience in all these aspects of life. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. We are all constantly on our journeys, and it's great uh, if you can make each step of this journey enjoyable and uh, feeling blessed and happy uh, to be there at this specific time and have uh, this or that experience. So that's great. Thank you so much for your answer. And thank you so much for uh, taking your time to be today with us and sharing uh, so much uh, interesting information about contracts. And I kind of feel this probably was the most, I would say, almost business-oriented talk so far on this podcast. And I'm sure listeners will uh, really appreciate uh, hearing those insights. I kind of felt like we get right into the middle and deepest uh, aspects of it right from the first minute of the talk. So thank you so much for sharing your experience and knowledge. And I'm pretty sure it will be helpful for many dancers and will help them to avoid uh, many mistakes on their on their path. Yeah, exactly. That's, uh, that's why I want to tell everyone not to do the same mistakes. So maybe they can use my experience to just continue their way and to make it smoother, let's say. And thank you, Jana, so much for this podcast. And I'm so honored to cooperate with you again. And as I told you before, I hope to cooperate with you in future because it's my big pleasure. So I wish you big success in your project and other projects as well. So and we, of course, will stay in touch <laughs> as usually. So. <laughs> thank you so much. And I'm pretty sure are many more uh projects are coming soon yes. <laughs> so stay yes. tuned guys <laughs> okay guys thank you so much for listening and big big kiss uh, from all my heart stay tuned bye guys guys 
thank you so much for spending this time with us. And if you like this episode, it will mean a world to me if you take a few seconds and leave us a review on iTunes or share it with your friends. Also, you can always find more information about podcast as well as past episodes at yanadance.com slash podcast. As well as you can connect with me on social media by Yana Dance or Yana Komarnitska. I'm very active on Instagram as well as Facebook and share a lot of tips and inspiration for your daily ballet dance life. And by the way, don't forget to subscribe to podcast so you never miss a future episode. And until next time, keep shimming.